You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Today, we welcome to the show Jim Thomas with fmconsulting.net. Now, Henry found Jim online, and Jim is actually one of the experts in fitness management and consulting. So he's going to teach us today a little bit about the gym industry, how to run your own gym, how to be successful at running your own gym. So with that, let's welcome Jim to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you bet. Good afternoon. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Why don't we start with a brief background on yourself? Sure, absolutely. You know, I was uh, uh, recruited <laughs> into the fitness industry. You know, I was a, a member at a gym, and uh, by virtue of getting to know everybody there because of some extreme regular attendance, I was recruited in and ended up being pretty good at uh, what they were asking me to do and found myself managing that club, you know, within six months. I think I was about 21 years old at the time. And things went pretty well. I became, uh, you know, a troubleshooter for that company. And actually, when I was the age of 23, they offered me a partnership. And I ended up building from scratch four new clubs and then acquired two others. So I had six of them that I was the owner operator of and uh, did that. We ended up selling those clubs. And upon doing that, you know, we started the consulting firm, consulting firm originally was really set up to help the uh, independent operators, you know, compete, you know, with the big guys. And, you know, since then it's grown and become much more diverse. And we're now helping uh, gym owners and operators all across the globe. Excellent. And I think you're resonating a lot with a lot of people who are listening who are saying, yeah, I, you know, exactly what you said. They, they enjoy fitness and they want to get into it and do it full time. And if they can make a good living off of it, then why not? So, about that, uh, you know, someone wants to just kind of start from the ground up. Can you walk us through kind of what it might take in terms of startup capital and how long before you're making money and things like that? Just typical questions. Yeah, you bet. And those are questions really that, you know, many uh, budding entrepreneurs will ask when they first call. And, and one of the things I should say, you know, a lot of folks that want to start their own gyms, and there's a lot of them you know, that want to do this. this is, it's a growing part of the business. Is, is many of them, that, you know, they're fitness enthusiasts, you know, they're trainers, they're instructors, they're passionate about it, and many of them don't have that business background, and that's where we can really help them. And, you know, to your point, what do we need to look at? Now, let me give you a couple things. We can talk about the money quickly, and then we can talk about kind of the educational aspect of it, because what we'll do with anyone who's getting started is we're going to help them with the business planning aspect of it which includes that budget, you know, pro forma information, but that business planning part of it, it's going to be critical. They're going to need that for funding. They're going to need it uh, for the landlord most likely. But really the thing that we would like to really zero in on there is really the education. We really want to educate, you know, these folks who are getting into it. We want to help them really know what they don't know. So that's a big, you know, component of this. You just don't want to go out and open it up and think, Hey, everything's going to work great. And then to your point on, uh, on cost to get in, there's generally, we're going to look at three costs. You're going to have finish out allowance. 
You know, you're going to go out and you're going to get your space. And there's a lot of variables on this, you know, depending on the size of space, depending on how you negotiate that, this with your landlord, you may get the landlord to contribute a little more or a little less, but you're going to have that finish out allowance. You're going to have equipment costs and these equipment <clears throat> costs, generally we're going to suggest that you lease your yeah. equipment and depending on you know, what someone's looking to do, there's great opportunities with refurbished equipment to save a substantial amount of money. And, uh, and really nobody'd ever know that it was refurbished unless you told them, you know, these companies do a great job of that. And then your third component, you know, on the pricing or the cost of it is your ramp up to profitability. And all of these have some variables. This is where when we go through the business planning, we go through the pro forma, we help define a lot of this. But uh, when you look up that ramp up to profitability, to give you a quick idea of this, what we like to see in most cases, I mean, nothing's absolute, but in most cases, you know, we like to see about a 90 day pre-sale, depending on the type of club that's going in. And that gives a, a club an opportunity to really sell and market for 90 days and grow a member base. And then when that lease is negotiated, maybe you've got some abated rent in there for 90 days. You know, so now you've got six months of no rent that you've been selling. And this is one of the key components to really ramping this thing up quickly. Too many clubs, they won't do that pre-sales. They won't get that abated rent. These are all things we can help you with. And we've actually had clubs that seventh month, that's fourth month of open. We've had that uh, seventh month of actually starting to break even, uh, you know, we normally try to look around 12 months, you know, 15 months, somewhere in there. But uh, if you do it right, some good things can happen quick. So you mentioned the seven to 12 to 15 month break even, you know, how much money do you need to float in the meantime? You know, I guess another way to ask this is what are your typical operating expenses that you should be prepared to, to pay while you're waiting to break even? Well, I mean, you're going to have your standard on all your utilities and that, but your, your, your bigger costs, and this is where, you know, it's important to do this, right? You know, your bigger costs are going to be your rent. And that's why it's so important, particularly in this day and age, and to make sure we negotiate that properly to make sure that rent is palatable for you. If you get into a situation where that rent is, you know, half of what it costs you to run that club, you're going to be in trouble pretty quick. So that rent needs to be negotiated. You know, your payroll, and again, this depends on type of clubs that you have. We want to make sure that payroll is in line. And, you know, your standard gym, you know, your typical gym across the country, you know, you're running about 36%, you know, maybe 40%, you know, for payroll. And then you're going to have marketing costs. And where a lot of these clubs will get in trouble, they won't do any marketing at all, which you need to. And for a brand new club, it might be 12%, you know, say at least 10%. And so those are going to be your big things. Your other ones are relatively small, pretty easy to control. These are the ones that you know we have a lot of control up front because the thing to remember about the fitness industry, you know, it's a fixed cost business. And whether you have a small amount of members, you have a lot, you know, essentially the cost to run, it's about the same. And the, the two things that always, if a club gets in trouble, what'll get them in trouble the quickest will be that rent and that payroll. And so those are the big things that we'll look at, not only initially, but really ongoing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One question is, and I know this varies throughout the nation, but is there a, a range of a number that you would say, unless you have this available to you in funds, uh, you might want to rethink a different industry. Is there just kind of a ballpark, 100,000, 200,000, 
that you would kind of ballpark it at? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And it really depends on the type of club. It depends on where you're going in. I mean, if you're in, you know, downtown Manhattan, you're going to go into some, you know, small little hamlet in the Midwest somewhere. There's a lot of, a lot of things that can be different there. But here's how I'd, I'd like to answer that for you is, you know, when, when folks come to us and they want to open up a new gym, and which we're happy to help, you know, we're going to start, like I mentioned, with that business planning and that pro forma budgeting. And here's what will happen, okay, that as we complete that, whatever length of time, and it kind of varies, you know, per person, but whatever length of time it takes to complete that, that really gives the client the opportunity to say go or no go. You know, we might get into that and find out, you know, this is more work than they really want to do. And so maybe you don't proceed. And so you save yourself a lot of money and a lot of heartache. You might get into it and say, whoa, based on what I want to do, this really is not feasible or I'm going to have to raise you know, more capital than I thought. So maybe that's a reason not to go. Or you might get into it and go, wow, this is exactly what I was thinking. You know, let's move forward. So the, really the answer to that question, is, you know, kind of comes through that business planning portion and through that budget pro forma portion. And in most cases, you know, of course, lenders are going to want you to have some kind of skin in the game. But in most cases, as long as credit's good and things like that, you know, we're always going to suggest to, you know, go out and get uh, outside funding, which we can help with, you know, all things being equal. So here's kind of what's going through my mind right now. So generally in business, it's, it's not a good idea to be everything to everyone unless you're Amazon. So I, I assume that's similar in the gym industry. You don't want to have to buy rowers and treadmills and every kind of weight and every kind of device in a basketball court. I mean, there's got to be a, a good entry point for someone just starting to maybe start in just like a, like a free weight type thing or maybe just like a cardio focus. Is that kind of one way to think about it or how will you suggest for someone that doesn't have a million dollars to put up a big facility? How would you, you suggest for them to, to start small and then grow? Yeah, you got the right idea. And here's what the secret is. You know, the secret is you want to come up with a product that offers true differentiation. You know, so whatever community that you think you want to go into, check out the competition. What's not being offered? What's not being done? What can you do that's different? And that really is the secret, the differentiation. That's what you look for. Because so many of these clubs, if they're not careful, they're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. And here's what happens. You know, roughly across the country, let me kind of round it off, about 20% of any particular area would be expected to be a member of a gym. Okay. And it gets divided up. And what happens if every club is essentially kind of the same, everyone's kind of slugging it out for that same 20%. If you want to grow market share, if you want to grow that number, you need true differentiation. And that's going to be the secret for everybody. If you just do the same thing everybody else is doing, it's, you know, unfortunately, it's going to come down to price and features. And, well, that's a game you don't want to play. Right. Uh, so we talked about the initial startup cost and selecting a niche. Uh, what about, you know, I see on your website, you have to do a lot of turnarounds and that's kind of a specialty thing. So looking at kind of moving to the income statement, is there a low annual net profit number that you see as a good candidate that you know that if you do right, that you can get it to a higher net profit? Like, I guess what I'm saying, is there a, a low range 
and the high end of the range for a, a net profit that for a gym industry. Like, like for a new club? Yeah, and here's what we look at on this. I mean, this this comes back to that owner. You know, what's you know what are they willing to do? What do they want to do? And so when we're working on this budget pro forma, for example, you know, we're going to look at that and we're going to kind of work it backwards. So we're going to start with the expenses. And okay, here's our best guess on what we think this thing's going to cost on a monthly basis, and it's just going to cost us X. And so then we say to that that club owner, okay, here's what it's going to cost to run this. What kind of a return do you want? Are you looking for a 20% return, 30%, 40%? You know, what's what's going to make this worth your while? And so you know, they have a number in mind. Hey, I need to have this kind of an income. Okay. And so we're going to take that. Now let's build this. So that's either going to mean a certain volume of members, you know, as marketing and salesmanship, or, you know, it could be the price. You know, what you're thinking right now is too low. We're going to have to raise that price, which means our marketing needs to be better services need to be better. Our salesmanship needs to be better. So it's going to be really different for everybody. Everyone's tolerance is a little bit different. Some are doing this as a kind of a second income. And so they're not as uh, pushed maybe as long as it's paying the bills. In some cases they're happy. Others, you know, they want to take it and kind of license it or they want to do multiples and uh, you know, their goals and numbers are are much bigger for them. So it's going to vary. What about secondary income streams that can get spun off from uh, having a gym. So off the top of my head, I can think of, you know, classes is probably a big income stream. You got uh, nutritional supplements or merchandise. You know, what are the things that you typically see? Again, everyone's a little bit different, but, you know, kind of a general sense. I mean, of course, the first thing is you've got personal training. You've got the one-on-one, which can be a great resource. You might have a semi-private training. You can have, you know, boot camp programs. Uh, you might have a, a basic class format. You're going to have retail, you know, apparel. Uh, depending on the size of the club, you might have a, a juice bar. You might have a nutritional component. But, yeah, there's numerous other profit centers. And actually, as we're helping the client, you know, build that pro forma, we like to see them probably have at least three to four of these in place so that it's not just purely driven by, uh, uh, it's not just purely driven by membership. You want to have other other resources as well because, you know, one of the secrets to it is, you know, being able to maximize that revenue per customer and not just always driving in more people. What about, you know, we're going through this process and someone says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like the return, it meets everything I need it to be, I, I'm passionate about it, and they want to operate it. What are some of the, the common traps that, you know, that you see owner operators get into with the gym consulting industry? Yeah, there's a couple. Number one, they have a tendency to make the, they they have this great vision and all these things they want to do. And a lot of it's really good, but there's a tendency sometimes to make the business too complicated. And one of the secrets to this is, you know, let's certainly satisfy that vision, but as we're doing this, let's simplify the operation. Let's simplify it. Let's make it easy to run so that that owner who's maybe an owner operator today, you know, they might want to step aside from being an operator down the road. And if that uh, operation is too complicated, they're not, they're gonna have a hard time finding a manager. So we like to keep it simple. The other thing that happens is there's a tendency sometimes to think, boy, we're going to just break all the sales records. And there's a tendency to look at uh, revenue a little bit through rose colored glasses 
And what we like to do is kind of temper that expectation a bit, be a little more conservative in that so that uh, we're hitting our numbers and not struggling to reach them. So, you know, looking at revenue numbers is going to be big. Keeping the operation simple to operate is going to be big. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the type of risks in this business. So gyms and fitness facilities, you know, what types of risks are they exposed to? Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage. I mean, if there's opportunity, there's going to be risk, right? And so since there is opportunity, there certainly is risk out there. And one of the first ones that I would comment on is personnel, is your people, is you've got to have good quality people. And a lot of times when you're brand new doing this, you can attract some of that but you have to do it forever, you know, to keep that business thriving. And so what we like to do to help mitigate that risk on personnel is strategies, you know, for always recruiting strategies on how we hire strategies on how we train strategies on how we, you know, have accountability and how we follow up. But if you have that whole, whole staff development uh, strategy, that's one of the best things you can do because a well-trained staff, a well-educated staff and a staff that's, you know, true to the process, that can be one of your great, you know, differentiators in a marketplace. And then, you know, certainly you've got other companies. They're going to see what you do. They might want to try to, you know, steal your employees. And so this is a great way to build loyalty. It's a great way to keep that pipeline full. And it's a great way to keep your business, you know, really thriving. That'd be the first one I'd even look at. Interesting. And then going back to Sebastian's question about niches, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are interested in, say, aerobics or they might be interested in cycling. And, and you see all these different franchise almost that like Fitness Orange and others that just focus on those niches. Is there kind of looking ahead something that you see as a really good opportunity in these niches that kind of stand out? Are there any niches in the, on the other side of the coin that are kind of dying and you kind of stay away from? Personally, I, I really, I like what all of them really bring to the table at some point. You know, the key is, is making sure that, you know, we have our proper processes in place. I mean, you can take, you know, that traditional big box gym and we work with many of them that still thrive. They still do really well because they've got their processes in place. You know, all of these can work. One of the mistakes that starts to happen is that if we don't take the time to get ourselves educated on it, we don't take the time to really learn it, there's a tendency to want to start to compete with price. And so we start lowering the price thinking we're going to get more volume. And unless there's a great marketing component with that, it doesn't always work. And if you do get more volume, it might not be able to outrun your, your overhead. So, you know, in the end, a lot of these are really good. Just make sure you've done your due diligence, you know, on what you're going to get. But then also make sure you've got yourself a good education on the business. Because, you know, you can have the nicest place in the world unless you're really understanding what sales and marketing is about. Good chance you could struggle. And by the same token, you know, we have clubs that are 40 years old and sometimes kind of look at that do really well because other components of their business are really in place. So it can all work. It's a matter of, uh, you know, getting our information together at the very beginning. So Jim, you've seen a lot of gyms in the last couple of years or in, in your days. So I'm curious as to what do the best performing gyms look like? You know, wh- what do they have unique about them? What makes a gym very successful in your opinion? Well, yeah, I can, I can answer that from the turnaround perspective of having the opportunity to walk into gyms that are struggling, 
walk into gyms that are not performing. The common denominator for those gyms that struggle, it's a failure to properly understand sales and marketing. They're not taking enough, near enough action on marketing because you know the basic problem with, with marketing for most gyms and clubs in general is that no one knows who you are and those that do aren't thinking about you. I mean, it's the core issue of obscurity. And you need to take that high level, that massive level of action in your marketplace, you know, to get the word out. Everywhere people turn, we, we want them to see us. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is when that customer comes in, we need to have a process that moves him through this. And so many people <laughs> do not really understand kind of the salesmanship part of this. And it's not anything that's bad. What the salesmanship process should be is showing the customer how we can solve their problem, how we can bring solutions to them based on what they want to do. And for clubs that do that, these are the ones that thrive. This is why you see your big chains and your big operators do so well, because they have a tremendous understanding of this. And a lot of your independents, they have a tendency to fear it just a little bit. And that's the, that's the big difference maker. Yeah, great points. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not just about providing equipment. I mean, uh, equipment and space, you really got to add some kind of value to people uh, or else you're going right. to be replaced. So now we're part of the show. Uh, we like to get into what we call the big questions. So the first question off is, uh, is there one piece of advice that you would give someone wanting to get into this industry? Just one piece of advice. You know, the first thing I think I would tell anybody is know why you want to do it. Know your why. Why is it important? important to you to do this. It's the first thing I'd sit down and zero in on. Awesome. Short and sweet. Second question, what is your favorite business book, website, or resource that you would recommend for someone looking at this industry? Well, my favorite website, you already mentioned it, is fmconsulting.net. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of course I would say that, right? But, you know, there's some great uh, groups out there. I mean, Club Industry, clubindustry.com, you know, URSA, IHRSA.org are a couple of great uh, resources for this. And, you know, there's numerous books. I I'm a fan of uh, Wayne Dyer and a lot of what he has put out over the years. And, you know, similar books like that. Uh, I mean, the, the author escapes me at the moment, but things like, you know, Think and Grow Rich. You know, one of the things when it comes to the, the educational component on this is our thoughts. And a lot of these books that are out there, what they're really teaching, you know, the good ones, is they're teaching us how to think because, you know, at the end of the day, our thoughts are going to become reality and educational components. I just can't stress that enough to, you know, future gym operators or current gym operators. No, I definitely agree, especially in a, in a place where you got to differentiate yourself, how you think and, and how you carry on. It's uh, got to be right. the way you differentiate. So uh, that's great information. I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, I think – you got a lot of people interested based on what you said the past 20 minutes. Uh, the next thing for us to know is how can we get a hold of you? I know you mentioned your website, but any other way you got a blog or an email or anything you want to shoot out? Yeah, you bet. I mean, our, our website, of course, is fmconsulting.net you know, and go forward slash contact is a great way to reach us. And, you know, there's numerous blogs posted on a regular basis, you know, blogs on our site. You can reach me direct if someone wants to talk to me directly via email, Thomas at fmconsulting.net or they can call us at 
2898. And, you know, happy to chat with anyone who has a current operation that would like to go to that next level or someone who's interested in taking that next step into, you know, being in business for themselves. Thanks, Jim. We really appreciate you coming on. I think we learned a lot and, and we enjoyed you. We enjoyed having you. You bet. My pleasure. You know, I always thought about opening a gym. I think it'd be kind of fun just to have somewhere to go. You get to know some clients. You become really fit in the process. But I think there's some things to think about in this interview. So I think, first of all, no matter how you look at it, it's a crowded space. So being able to differentiate yourself is critical, especially when you look at some of the big players in this industry. And they can smoke you out very easily with their huge advertising and marketing budgets. So I think that's one big consideration for me. I really like the small niche areas in fitness, uh, like yoga and cycling. I think you get away with a smaller footprint as well as a less prime location, meaning less rent, which is a big driver in cost. I also think the generic gyms are a bit too large and the opportunities with upsells like juice. I just don't think uh, there's enough opportunity there for the risk. So uh, if I'm going to get in this market, I'm going to stick with the niche place. You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.